Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So several years ago, Lauren and I went with some of our friends. Cole was a part of this. Um, we, we went to see U2. Anybody ever seen U2? Any U2 fans out there? Just me. Okay. This was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And so we had a friend who was part of the fan club. We were not, but he got us tickets as part of the fan club. And here's what that meant, that if we got there early, we could be in the middle of like this. They had this stage that had like another stage that went around it. And then like this arm of the stage that like went over and connected. It was crazy. And so if you got there early, then you could actually be in the middle of the stage. And so Bono for us was actually like flying over our head during the concert. It was pretty wild. Um, so, so in order for this to work, though, you have to show up early. So you have like these special tickets that are general admission. But if you show up early, then, then you get to sit uh, up close or stand up close. There's actually no seats there. And so we showed up pretty early. Um, I think we were number like 121 and 122 in line. And so we had some friends that had been there uh, since early in the morning. And we did not do that because we're not that crazy. Um, but we showed up pretty early. And, and so when you're in, in line, there's all of these people that are, that are talking about the, that they're going to see. They're talking about you too. And so this one guy um, asks a bunch of us, uh, how, how many shows have you been to? And probably all of our group, this was our first show. So we said one. And so somebody said, well, how many shows have you been to? And he said, 23. And we we're like, 23. Wow. That's a lot of shows. So you've like seen more than just this tour, right? Like you've seen like all of these different tours. I don't know what they are, but people around me did. And, and he said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I've been to 23 shows on this tour. I've only missed about three shows since they started in the UK and then went through Canada. I mean, you're talking like thousands and thousands of dollars, right? And he said, yeah, he said, man, what I used to do, he was a Canadian guy. He said, what I, what I did for a long time is I saved up all of this money to go watch my team play in the Stanley Cup. Well, my team wasn't that good, and so they never made it. And so then I just started, like, I found you 2 and I just started doing what they're doing. So this guy had been to over 100 shows throughout the years. And he went on to talk about how great U2 is as a band. He said, you know, they're incredible, all of the stuff that they're involved in, fighting poverty and AIDS and all of this stuff. And then in a moment of self-reflection, seemed like he had never had this moment. He said, and so that, like, I come to the shows, so that, that makes me part of it too, right? And we're like, I, I guess. <laughs> Here's this guy who, who he likes this cause, and he, he feels a part of the cause because he's putting money towards a, a ticket to get a seat. And somehow that makes him feel like he's actually a part of the cause, but he's actually just a consumer. And, and, and I just started thinking, man, that's, that's what like, we tend to think that normal is like for Christianity, right? That it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just a part of the, the cause, and so then therefore I, I, that must be what we do. But that's actually not what normal looks like. That's what maybe average looks like, but that's not normal. Let me give you a definition of normal, because normal is different than average. 
Average is middle of the road. It's like everyone else. Normal is the conforming standard or what is to be expected. Too often we confuse average Christianity for normal Christianity. But Jesus is the picture of normal. Jesus is the prototype and the example we're to follow. Peter, James, John, the apostles, the early church, they understood this and they lived from this standard. Notice that I said this, they didn't live towards this standard. They actually lived from this standard of Jesus as the picture of normal. Let me go on before we dive into scripture. It says abnormal means that there is a variance from the standard of what is considered normal. Jesus is the example of normal. To be different from Jesus in any way is to be an aberration from the standard set by his life. Wow. Anybody challenged? I'm preaching it and I'm challenged, all right? Go with me real quick. Actually, we'll put it up on the screen. First John 2, 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. That's normal. That's not crazy Christianity. That's not the weird guy. That's actually what normal looks like. Here's what's cool about God. Lots cool about God, by the way, is that he never gives us a standard that he does not empower us to live into. So when he says, whoever lives in, whoever claims to be in me must live as I live, what he's saying is this. You see, every time God speaks something, he creates something, okay? Every time he sets a standard, he then puts power to it. It's, it's how creation began. There was no atmosphere, right? For even the words that he spoke in the very beginning to travel through. And sound always requires an atmosphere. And yet when he spoke, he actually spoke not just sound, but he spoke the atmosphere into existence that the sound traveled through. Okay? So when God speaks, it's not just a sound, but there's actually power that travels through what he says. And so he, he's speaking and he's saying, whoever claims to be in me must live as I lived. What he's doing in that moment is he's not just setting a standard, but he's actually speaking power to live towards that standard. So in John 20, 21, a similar thought. These are some of Jesus's last words before he ascends to the right hand of the father. And he says this, as the father sent me, so I send you. The same type of challenge, but here's what we have to recognize. The way that the Father sent the Son was full of heaven's authority. But let's go on. First John 4, 17. This is the kicker. All that Jesus now is, where is Jesus now? Right hand of the Father. Clothed in glory. All authority, all power, and the enemy is under his feet. Okay, all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Here's what that means. Is that normal is not something I'm trying to live towards. It's actually something that I'm living from. If you're in Jesus, then you have all of the power that you need to live like Jesus. You may not know it yet, but it's yours. Years ago, Lauren and I were saving money to go on this uh, trip, mission trip into uh, North Africa, kind of a, a place where you're not allowed to share the gospel. It's illegal. You can get in trouble. You can get all sorts of stuff. And so we're, we're saving money to go. And, 
and we, um, we end up at this garage sale, which doesn't seem to be the place that you should go if you're saving money to go on a mission trip, right? So, but we're there in this garage sale, and we find uh, this little trunk in the garage sale, and it says $10 on it. Lauren opens up the trunk, and her eyes get really big. It, it's full of doll clothes, all right? Doll clothes, y'all. And, uh, and she says, you know, I think that we should buy this trunk, $10. I'm like, okay. Proverbs talks about this wonderful wife that considers a, a field and she buys it. I've got a wife that considers a trunk and she buys it. <laughs> so, so we're not like trying to be super sneaky. We show them the, the trunk and they say, yeah, $10. And so we take the trunk home. And so we're, we, we're like, we don't know what to do with all these clothes, but we start looking on eBay and we start realizing, hey, these clothes are pretty valuable. And so we're watching a, a TV show. Actually, we're watching 24. Um, this was when 24 was on TV. And so we're watching it. And that's a good binge-worthy uh, series, by the way. And so it's like the countdown, right? And so we've got these clothes on eBay. And actually, it's actually the countdown for eBay. And so we've put these clothes. And it's, quite a, it's, it's, it's a lot of clothes. And so doll clothes. None of them fit us, but it's clothes. Uh, and so... Uh, the, the countdown is also, like along with 24, it's actually also going down on our, on our eBay deal. And it's at like 35 bucks. And we're like, well, that's cool. You know, we, we put free shipping on there, so maybe we'll break even. And, um, and there's like 15 minutes left, and there's about 15 minutes left on 24, and our computer's in the other room. And so we're like bouncing back and forth, like looking at the countdowns, right? And then all of a sudden it gets to five minutes and it goes to about 150 bucks. And then it gets to about three minutes and all of a sudden it goes to about 350 bucks. And then it's like counting down and at the last minute it goes for $545. We're like, whoo, come on. We did not know what we had and neither did the owner, but we still had it. You don't know what you have but the owner does, and you still have it. And it's worth incredible value. As he is now, so are we in this world. You lack nothing. You have everything that you need. And so as we talk about living like Jesus, we're not living towards Jesus like I'm striving to be there, but I'm actually just receiving to recognize everything that I already have in him. He's in me. I'm in him. I can't get any closer than that. So often we're like, God, I want to get close to you. I want to get close to you. Stop trying and just receive the fact that he's in you and you're in him and let him love you. Getting close to God is not an issue of proximity. It's an issue in between our ears. And so all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. And so we have to understand Jesus. You see, what, what Scripture tells us is that in Philippians 2, and we see this uh, also in, uh, in Hebrews 2, is that when Jesus came to earth, he was fully God and fully man, and, and yet he surrendered the rights of his divine privilege to live as a man under the influence of the Spirit of God, so that he would not just be a deity to be worshipped, but so that he could be the second Adam and show us what life was meant to look like. And so he, he's not just 
He's not just like, oh God, he did all of those incredible things. He loved people that nobody else could love. He did miracles that nobody else could do. Isn't that awesome for him? And so I'm going to give him my devotion. And no, he's not saying, yes, we give him our devotion. But what he's not saying is, is just praise me. But he's also saying, emulate me. He's saying, this is what it looks like for a man to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said it this way, while Jesus, while our Lord Jesus was on earth, he did not accomplish his great deeds of power in the strength of his deity. I believe he did them all in the strength and authority of his spirit anointed humanity. He's not someone just to be worshiped, but to be imitated. I believe that the early church got that, that they got what normal Christianity was like. We see in Acts chapter 11, don't go there, actually go with me to Acts chapter 2, but we see in Acts chapter 11 that that's where they're first called Christians. And, and, and what the Antiochans meant that to be was actually an insult. It's like, oh, these guys are little Jesuses, but what they recognized in them that they were living like Jesus. See, they got what Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And so they were living from that place. And so it was actually just normal that they got called Christians because they were little Jesuses everywhere that they went. They were acting like Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. I love the book of Acts. It was originally one of the very first titles for the book of Acts was the Gospel of the Holy Ghost. And I love that because it's actually, well, while the four Gospels are the Gospels of Jesus, the Gospel of the Holy Ghost shows what normal looks like, what it looks like for people to be empowered by the Spirit of God and live from that place. And so it's actually not just the, the Acts of the Apostles, which doesn't even quite make sense because it doesn't really have much about uh, most of them in there, but it's actually the acts of the Holy Ghost. It's what the Holy Ghost does through normal believers who are surrendered to Jesus. And so the disciples in, in chapter one, it says, Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift that my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Jesus is actually quoting what John Said John said, I come to baptize in water, but here's the one, Jesus, who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so Jesus says, you don't, you don't worry about the dates and times, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power, we've talked about it before. It's dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. That when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you get this explosive dynamite power inside of you. And so they're waiting. And they're not just waiting. Sometimes waiting on, on God uh, we think, well, I'm just going to sit around and let God do what he wants to do. But actually, they're taking responsibility and they're waiting on God and they're praying. And so they're, they're, they're waiting, but they're waiting actively. And I think, active, I think waiting in the kingdom should always be active waiting. And so it says in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, you can go there with me. I think it'll be up there behind me. It says, when the day of Pentecost... Let me tell you a little bit about Pentecost. Pentecost was like the wheat or barley harvest. And at that point, uh, that, that's like the crop that everybody had. And so it's significant that the Holy Spirit comes for all believers at the same time that they're actually harvesting the crop for everybody. And so it says they were all together in one place. Have you ever been all together 
Or have you all, have you ever been in one place, but not all together? It took them a few days to get all together in one place. And, and sometimes I think we, we like, we do Christianity in this way where it's like, I'm just going to do my thing and you're going to do your thing. And, and even we have times of corporate worship, like when the body comes together and it's like, I'm, I'm just worshiping God the way that I worship God. But actually it's significant that we don't just worship God when we're all together individually, but we worship God all together when we're all together, that we're in one place. Even when we're praying, it's, it's crucial that we pray all together because there's actually breakthrough that happens when we pray all together that, that you'll never experience when you're praying by yourself. So it says that they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This isn't the first time when the Holy Spirit shows up in a mighty, mighty rushing wind. You should look at when Solomon's temple was built. The Holy Spirit came in such force that nobody could stand. It like wiped everybody out. Everybody was out under the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit just came rushing in in glory. And so th- that's reminiscent of that time, but we're going to keep going. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Say each of them. And then it says, all of them, say all of them, them. were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What I love is that it says each of them, and, and it doesn't simply say on the 12. Because remember, this is the gospel of the Holy Ghost. This is what normal Christianity looks like. And so it's not just for a few, but this is the declaration that everybody gets to pray. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in 12 tongues of fire. He shows up in 120 because there's 120 gathered there that day. This is the day that they've all been waiting for because the Holy Spirit is now available, not just selectively as he was under the old covenant, but now he's available for each and every one. And it says all of them. And then it says that they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Anybody ever confused about tongues? Just a few of you. Let me, let me share with you a little bit about tongues, and then I'll share a story with you about tongues in a little bit. Tongues has three important characteristics in scripture, three important reasons. And this one, this was actually one, it was a sign that the new covenant was beginning because it was a fulfillment of a prophecy. And so they were waiting for for actually the breakout of, of tongues to happen. And so that was a unique thing then that said, hey, there's a major transition that's just happened, moving from the old into the new. There's another thing that happens in tongues. If you just read after that, what happens is this, is that they begin to speak in tongues and the people there begin to hear in their own language. We heard a story actually this summer from Nick Cavazos, how he was actually, he was in North Africa and he was uh, speaking uh, in this other, in the, the cab driver who didn't speak any English, but heard it in Arabic. And the Arabic guy was speaking, he was speaking in Arabic and Nick heard in English. Supernatural, crazy deal. But here's, here's the deal. God wants people to get to know him so well that he's not going to allow language to be a barrier. And so there, there's tongues as a sign that we're moving in, that we've moved into the new covenant. There's tongues as a, as a, as a sign or as the ability, the empowerment for people to get the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. 
Then there's the third part of tongues. And this is probably the most confusing, most misunderstood one in scripture, but it's actually my favorite. Um, personally, my favorite. And we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, talked about quite a bit. And this is tongues as a prayer language, as uh, the ability for your spirit to pray and connect with God. And the thing about the gift of tongues in this way is that it actually says that it's for the edification of the believer. And I was like, man, well, I don't even know what that meant. And, and I remember as a kid reading that and thinking, man, I'm not really trying to like build myself up and make myself bigger because I just believed in this like little person Christianity, if that makes sense. Like God just came to squash us and keep us small. But what I realized is that when I pray in the spirit, when I pray in tongues, that actually my spirit's connecting with God and communicating in ways that I don't understand and it actually builds me up. So like if I'm, if I'm discouraged, I start praying in tongues and there is a transaction that happens between my spirit and heaven that actually begins to strengthen me and gives me strength and insight. It's a way to connect with God that just absolutely transforms you and rocks your life. And so let me say this, that I believe that it's the desire of God. Actually, what Paul says is that I wish that you would all speak in tongues. I'm not trying to make you all crazy and, and, uh, and, and weird. And it is, it is strange. Let me just say that it is strange, but it's also normal. And it'll transform you. And if you want to talk more about it, we could do that later. So here's what's going on. This is the day that revival began. This is the day that a move of God began. And when I read this, here's what I don't see. I don't see that it's ever supposed to stop. You see, I, I, when you look at history, what you find is that revival is undeniable. Like there have been seasons where there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and there's transformation, there's a move of God, and it's like God's bringing life back into his church. But I believe in it and I don't believe in it. Here's why. Because I think what happens in those moments is that God is sovereignly moving so that his church will move into the maturity that they were always created to live in and not just wait for him to show up and take no responsibility for what God's actually entrusted to us. And so we can sit by and say, God, if you're going to do something, do something. And what he's saying is, as I am now, so are you in this world. You should be revival walking around everywhere that you go. That's what normal looks like. And, I, and, and it's undeniable that there are these sovereign moments where it's like God takes like the, the paddles and he shocks us back to life. Why? Because somehow we forgot who we were and we started living like we were dead. And he brings us back to life and we step into normal. And here's what happens. I'm, I'm not like a historian of revival, though I love reading about it. But here's what I, I believe that happens is that so often we stop maturing. And what God is actually doing is he's actually passing the baton of leadership, of authority to his body so that we would represent him in the world and that we would see his kingdom cover the whole earth. And what happens is, is that we start looking inward and we don't recognize all the authority and the power that he's entrusted with us. And so we see these moves come like this when they're actually just supposed to be moving exponentially higher and higher. 
And I believe that normal is that we would actually start carrying the good news of the kingdom in such a way that signs and wonders follow us, not because we're trying to make it happen, but because it's an expression, an extension of normal life in Jesus. And so while I long for revival so that dead things would come to life, I actually long that the church would get it so that we wouldn't be dead anymore and that we would just see life increase exponentially. Are you with me? I don't want to be alone in this. I will be, but I don't want to be. Let's go on to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. This is show and tell, by the way. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. If you go back up to 13, they're accusing them of being drunk. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On all people. On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is what normal looks like. It says that, that the spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Everybody that wants in gets a piece. You actually get the whole deal. Not just a piece. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Here's what's cool. The kingdom is family. That's good news, huh? Jesus said this. And so now the, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus at his baptism is available for all flesh. And this is why Jesus could say this in John 14, 12. Whoever believes in me will do what I do and even greater works than I do. Here's the, the final phrase to that. Because I go to the Father. In verse 37 of Acts 2, we see that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and that the Father pours out on the Son the Holy Spirit. And because you and I have put our faith in Jesus, we get access to that same Holy Spirit that the Father has poured out on the Son. And, and so what we see is that now the Holy Spirit is on each and every one of us. Mark 16 says it really clearly. In verse 16, it says, well, we'll start in 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Condemnation happens because of unbelief, and it's God's heart that all would be saved, by the way. Jesus didn't come, what John 3.17 says, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. God's not interested in condemning you, he's making a way for every body. And it says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany the few, the chosen ones, the holy people. No, these signs will accompany those who believe. Believing believers have signs that follow them. Like a shadow. It's just the result of normal Christianity. It's not striving, it's not pushing, it's actually just living as, as an open door to heaven for people. 
In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. By the way, just verse, on verse 18, there are some goofy movements out there that, that they read this and they think, well, let me just go pick up snakes and drink poisons. Poison, that's just called stupid. Admit, like in real life, right? Like if it just so happens that somebody's trying to kill you or that a snake bites you, then you can live. Monty has a really cool story about a snake biting her and, and she should not be here, but she is. Um, Monty has a cool story about all of these things, actually. Uh, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's what normal looks like. So what happens if, if I'm laying my hands on people and they don't get well? Let's, we'll leave the snakes and deadly poison for another sermon that Steve can do next week. <laughs> so what, what happens? Let me say this to you. I've laid my hands on a whole lot of people and I haven't seen them all healed. But I've laid my hands on a lot of people and I've seen a lot of them healed. And I know this, that I am growing, and I encourage you just to take this position, that I am growing in what it looks like to be a child of God and carry his authority and represent him to the world. I don't have it all figured out. I, this is not, there's no science behind this. This is all about relationship. And so every time that I pray for somebody and they don't get healed, I go back to God and I say, okay, God, tell me what's going on here. Let's just grow a little bit because I know who you say that I am and I want to live in that place. What's going on here? Here's what I don't do. I don't ever blame somebody else. And I don't blame God. And I don't blame myself. I just say, hey, I'm a student. Until I die, I'm just going to be a student and be learning what it looks like to carry him. So let's just be students together. It's more fun that way anyways. Even on my servants... Both men and women, verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's what's going on there that I believe hasn't stopped is that God wanted, he's no respecter of persons, but he actually pours out his spirit on all people. The normal Christianity is that we actually would carry the Holy Spirit with us everywhere that we go. One of my favorite things to do is to watch God move through like young believers. And so last, this past May, Lauren and I had been, we were invited to Santa Fe, New Mexico to minister to Friends Church. And so what I typically do is just ask God, hey, God, what are you up to? And, and one of the things that he spoke to me that morning before I was preaching was that he was going to heal dyslexia. And that's actually, we've seen several people in our church family healed of dyslexia. I heard, I don't know who it is, but I heard actually even last Sunday during ministry time, somebody was healed of dyslexia. Um, and so, priest, I actually shared that word, and, and there were a few other things um, that we actually, on the ministry team, saw God, saw people healed of that, that Sunday morning, but I didn't have anybody, hadn't heard of any stories of dyslexia, and so we're 
uh, at uh, lunch with um, some of the leaders in the church. And so I'm talking to this young couple. And we'd actually prayed for this young lady before uh, and during the service about some other stuff. And, and she said, yeah, I have uh, dyslexia. And her husband says, well, you guys are, are like holy people. So you, <laughs> yes, laugh with me, please. <laughs> so you guys are holy people. And so you're going to pray. It'll be taken care of. And I, I basically said, you're not getting off that easy. I said, actually, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. And, and here's how we're going to see it. I'm, I'm going to pray for you, husband, that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you would receive an impartation of the gift of healing. And so, so I laid my hands on him and then said to his wife, I said, here, take this book and look at it. So she looks at the book. And she's like, yeah, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> and I said, all right, now, husband, would you, would you pray for her that she'd be healed? And so I just helped him with the words. He has his hands on her, she prays. She looks at the book again. Tears start streaming down her face. She can read without dyslexia. Had nothing to do with some sort of holy man. It had everything to do with the Holy Spirit in normal believers. Here's what I love about that. One, it was cool to see a husband just like with his wife. Really cool. This guy had been a believer for about six months. But that guy gets lit on fire by the Holy Ghost. And so now he's running around Santa Fe praying for everybody that he can find because he realizes that, that the Holy Spirit is for all, all flesh, everybody. So two Sundays ago before Eliza started back to school, uh, we, we did a little bit of family church and that turned into like wild dance parties, what that is, right? So for us, we're like having wild dance party, crazy time and, and, um, and then we're looking as parents, we're looking for the moment, right? Like with little kids, you don't get, I don't get as much time with them preaching as you guys tolerate with me. And so, uh, and so we're looking for that moment, but, but Eliza says, hey, everybody do a dance move, which watching me dance is just hilarious all in itself. Like the little glimpse you get when I start going crazy up here, uh, it gets worse. And so... But Eliza says, hey, would everybody do a move? And so I'm about to get in trouble. But so Lauren decides that she's going to do a move. And she's six months pregnant. And she, so her move is a forward roll. And I'm like, man, do I catch the baby as it pops out? What's going to happen, right? And, uh, and so, so in the forward roll, she actually hurts her back. And the dance party's over for her. Her back's hurting. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. I could, but I'm not. Um, and so she's hurting. And... So we go on dancing and I'm swinging the girls around. And then there's just like this, this window, this moment. And I, I said, Eliza, who's six and a half, I said, would you pray for us that we would just receive joy? And about six months ago, we were talking about joy in family church and prayed. And she just like started laughing because the joy of the Lord just overwhelmed her so much. And so she starts la like that's now she just knows like, is dad going to pray for joy for me? And then I start laughing. And, and so, but I said, would you pray for us? And so she prays for us and God's joy just like settles in on us. And it's so cool to watch your kids minister to you. She's like going around, putting her hands on her head and it's really cool. Right? So for the past year, Eliza and I have had this ongoing conversation about tongues. And, uh, 
and so we, we've, we've been talking about it. And Evelyn, as she was just learning how to speak, but not really using words, we would kind of joke about it. And I'd say, Eliza, what's Evelyn speaking? She says, she's speaking in tongues. And, and, uh, and so we would just kind of joke about it. And so, I, but there was this moment where I just knew, hey, we've got, there's a window, right? And so I said, Eliza, would you like to receive the gift of tongues? And she says, I guess so, daddy. And so I start praying for her. And then she just starts praying in tongues. So cool. All flesh, right? And so then I, then I said, you know, Eliza, mommy's back is hurting from that dance move you convinced her to do. Would you pray for her back? And so she puts her hand on her back. And I said, Eliza, it'll probably get warm as God just starts to minister healing through your hands. And sure enough, Lauren's back gets warm and pain goes away. All flesh, y'all. Everybody. Like that's the desire of God is that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he loves just to give it away. Yeah. One more story. I'm way over time, but I just like to, are y'all okay with stories? Yes. So I was at the, the Springs Church, which is where we do a lot of encounter nights, and they invite me over there to just go prophesy over people, I think is what they do. They, they uh, disguised it as preaching this time. And so, but before I, I walked in, or as I walked in before the service start, Peter, the pastor there, we've been doing stuff for over a decade together. He's a good friend and awesome church. If you don't like this church, go to that church. It's really good. Um, and so, uh, so Peter says, hey, would, let's, let's pray for this young lady, one of his leaders, that she would receive the gift of prophecy. And so, uh, so we, we prayed. And, and then at the end, I just started, uh, we, I was talking about the presence of God. And, and then I just said, I had people praying about something so that I could just take a minute and hear from God. And so I just started picking people out and, and prophesying over them. It was maybe 30 people in the room. And, and so this young lady, like God just makes her stand out to me. And that's just kind of the way it works sometimes is that he just highlights people. And so, uh, so this young lady stands out to me and say, Hey, what's your name? And I said, actually, I don't have a word for you. And everybody's like, Oh, and, uh, and I said, but I think she does. And so the lady that I had just prayed for her to receive the gift of prophecy. She's in the sound booth in the back and call her forward. And, and I said, I think she's got a word for you. And of course, she's not happy with me because now I'm putting her on the spot in front of everybody. Not just like on the spot, but like now she's got to prophesy something she's never done, right? And so, uh, and so sure enough, she, she like nails it. And then God shows me stuff and it just like goes right on the back of what she's saying. This lady's crying and then her husband, like God gives me words for it. And then they're both crying and it's just, and they're just getting loved on by God. I think that's the kind of stuff that Jesus would do. And I think that's what normal looks like, is that we would represent who Jesus is to the whole world around us. I think normal means this, that we're like Jesus in power, that we actually carry the power of God in a normal way. You don't have to be goofy about it. Some of you will be because you can't help it, but you don't have to be goofy about it. That we're like Jesus in authority. That we're like Jesus in holiness. You know, I think so much of this stuff, so much of the supernatural is actually an, an extension of the holiness of God into places that are lacking it. I think healing is actually God's holiness being extended onto people's lives. And I think somehow we have thought that grace means that we don't need holiness but grace actually empowers holiness. That we're like Jesus in love, 
I think this is the biggest one. This is how everything else flows. Uh, Galatians 5, 6 says this, that what counts is your faith expressing itself uh, through love. And I don't really care about all the other stuff you can do. If you can see people healed, but you don't love people, I really don't want anything to do like, with that kind of ministry. That's not the point. It's actually all about love. Every single supernatural act of God is about him loving the world around us. And one of the things that God just put on my heart this morning we would begin to recognize, like as we walk out this normal thing, and I think we're just getting started with the stuff that we're seeing. We, last week, we saw a bunch of people healed up, up front, but I think we're just getting started. And it's not just supposed to be Sunday morning ministry time. It's everywhere we go. But one of the things that God really prodded me about is that we would be like Jesus in supernatural comfort. And here's what I mean. Just this year alone, we've had like several miscarriages and losses and people being sick and all that kind of stuff. And if we go crazy on praying to see supernatural breakthrough, I believe it honors God. But if we lack the love of comfort when people are hurting and alone, when they've lost, like when it seems like they did everything that faith looks like and yet somehow it didn't work out the way that they thought it would and they did not see in that moment the fulfillment of their faith, then we have to be a people of supernatural comfort. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Like 2 Corinthians 1 says this, that we would receive comfort from God, which is a supernatural act, so that we could comfort others in their times of need. And I, what I've seen, actually, is that a lot of people experience incredible trauma. And then in, in, in settings like this, they have trouble actually exposing their trauma so that they could be healed. But the reason is, is that they feel afraid of being condemned. And so they end up being alone in their pain. And I've actually seen that so often when we get alone in our pain and trauma, that it messes with our emotional, our psychological life. I've seen people, once they experience the comfort of God, even from stuff that happened in their childhood, I've seen things leave their lives like learning disabilities that were, that were induced by trauma. And all of a sudden they experience the, the comfort of God in those areas. And then actually the, the, the healing comfort of God comes and they're, they're totally healed. And I believe that we should be people that carry supernatural comfort. That when things don't work out the way that faith says that they should, that we would still carry the comfort of God so that we would love people right where they are. And sometimes tragedy happens in your life and there is loss. And I'm not going to blame it on your faith. I'm not going to blame it on your actions. What I'm going to say is, I'm not sure why all that stuff happens, but what you need is to receive the comfort of God. When you're hurting, when you're alone, when, when maybe it was a small thing, maybe it was a huge thing, whatever it was, when it impacted you, you need the comfort of God, the very person of Jesus ministering to your heart in that place. I believe that God is calling us to be a people that would not just minister his power and the miraculous, but that we would be a people of supernatural comfort as well. I'll leave you with this. I believe that Jesus is raising up a normal people. I love what Acts 13.52 says, and it says, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So my question for you is not only 
Have you been, have you given your life to Jesus and have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? But are you continually being filled with the Holy Spirit? I believe that God wants us to live in such a way that streams of living water just are continually rushing out of us. That's what normal looks like. Stand with me and we'll pray. Before we do, I'll just give you some instruction this morning. Our ministry team would love to pray with you. I know we've got uh, Connect afterwards and other stuff going on, but let's just be present in this moment. And I believe that God wants to do uh, something powerful, something significant in your life. I met with some of the team earlier this morning and, and just encouraged them to be willing to go there. If you've experienced pain and even trauma and you just want somebody, this isn't a full-on counseling session or prayer council, but if you just want somebody to pray with you and apply God's comfort, his healing touch in that area, I believe this morning God wants to do that for you. If you uh, just are like, man, my life is a mess and I, I want to live this normal life uh, and, and you just want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God wants to do that this morning. If, if you're like, hey, that tongues thing, I don't even totally understand it, but it sounds like something that I need in my life. If you'd like to receive that, these folks would love to pray with you. As always, they'd love to pray with you for, for healing or to give your life to Jesus, but they're, they're ready for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're really good and that you love Lord, I thank you that you're at work in our lives. Lord, I thank you that this is a church family that represents you well. So Lord, we ask now that your Holy Spirit would empower us, Lord, that we would represent you to the ends of the earth and we would see your kingdom extend to the darkest places, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen.